I see a lot of folks starting the conversations and then getting a little ways into it and then being like, eh, yeah, never mind, not yet. Um, like as soon as you find out that, oh, by the way, half of your marketing vendors don't even have APIs to use and you're still going to be stuck doing a lot of client side stuff. Um, Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. we've gotten that, that tease of spring and I'm just like, come on, just a little bit longer. You know, I think I mentioned it so many times, like I'm a spring and summer and even a bit of a fall person. I hate winter. Yep. Same here. Um, I hate winter. I, you know, once we re roll the clocks back, I have a countdown going of when we spring them back forward (laughs) because in the middle of like December and January, it'll be dark here by four 30. Yeah. And that's just, it's, it's depressing. Yeah. So two things uh, I've got, I used to be a, I love all four seasons to a, I just want it 72 degrees all the time now <laughs> person. So I've made that transition. And number two, as I was hearing noises in the background and hovering over the mute button, I'm wondering, Jim, if you've got your stream deck set up so, so you can just mute, mute, mute on your stream deck. Um, I don't yet but that is a good idea yeah program that one more thing to automate it is well i mean i've got a whole panel here for zoom settings so Mm -hmm. when i'm on zoom i don't have to find my mouse i've got a little button right here um but then i've also got a panel with all of like the various folders i use in dropbox so instead of like opening up a finder window and going through the path i've got a little button it opens up the finder window right in that particular folder nice so, I mean, it, it is, it's like, I'm continuing to, to tweak it. So I've got all of those things, but no, I haven't added. So I've added in a keystroke for time Yeller. So, I mean, we've talked about all the time. We don't do timesheets, but I do use time Yeller just so I have an idea of where I'm spending my time, Yeah, you know, so this way I can understand like if, if I'm spending too much on one thing or whatnot, um, I can, I, I configured a button with the keystroke. So I don't even have to open the app. I could just hit the button and the window pops up. You know, what are you working on? Ending the previous task and whatnot. So, yeah, I got to wonder what the mute. Oh, man, my timular would be so funny. Like, I've tried doing that before and I need to. It would be good for me to see where I'm spending time and stuff. But I flip so much from task to task. And especially when I'm working in launch and you hit the build button and you have to wait a few minutes for it to to probably your 30 seconds, however long it is then inevitably during that 30 seconds, I'll be like, oh, let's go see who's asking questions on Slack or what's mm-hmm. going on on Twitter or whatever. And so it would be like two minutes of work and then three minutes of no work. And yeah, no, it's, I'm glad to be done with the timesheet days for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it, again, it's just for me to kind of see like, where am I yeah. spending my time? And, oh no. Yeah. I definitely see yeah. the value in it. Um, but again, time saving, you know, just hitting a button and yeah. it automatically enters it. And I've also configured it with a few of the Mac OS shortcuts. Nice. So um, 
certain common things. Like I've got the house, the basement lights configured to it. So like right now for, for lighting purposes, I have the basement lights off, but I have a button that'll do this. Turn Ooh, them so on, fancy. dim them, turn them off, turn them back on again. <laughs> so this way, because I normally you know, control through the, the echo. Now you don't, oh. don't even have to say anything, just push a button. So modern and fancy. Yeah. Makes you feel cool. It does. Sitting at the control panel. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, speaking of, of cool things, um that, that gives me my entry into into our topic uh for for today um yeah i want to continue our theme around digital analytics implementation and just overall data collection architecture and talk about the hip cool new thing that mm -hmm. all the cool agencies and vendors are talking about server side tracking um and it's it's being pitched as the next great leap forward in analytics and marketing data collection. And yes, there, there's some very real problems it's trying to solve and there's definitely great value to it. Uh, but it feels like it's, it, it's it, it, well, it doesn't feel like it. It is. It's being positioned as the cure-all for all of the ills an organization has with um, data collection for, for web activity. Um, so that's what I want to talk about this week is, is, you know, what, how does server side, um, tie into everything we've been talking about the last couple of weeks? Um, you know, what is it realistically, where is it at? And I mean, honestly, that's the question, is it overhyped? It's so funny. Cause we, the topics were chosen, like this has been on my calendar for a few weeks now, um, knowing that this would be on, on this topic and, uh, cracks me up though because two days ago um i got into a huge long twitter discussion on this exact same topic with uh, lucas oldenburg had a really good blog post about this um but it still had it resulted in a back and forth of well does it really solve that problem or you know yeah so what's wrong feeling well, uh, yeah and right? so, so i was gonna say like i can go get a blanket and we can get comfy and just let <laughs> jen talk here for an hour um because she definitely has the expertise but i'm gonna start it off with a question i think jim you kind of queued it up of like and i'll show my un unknowledgeable uh view of where i I understand things like, can we start with what it is? And I'm going to start with a situation that we, we had with a, a vendor, um, Facebook, um, and the, and the client in which Facebook through, um, one of their partnerships was pushing very heavily for the company, their, the client to go server side. It was going to solve all of these problems with ad attribution. Same here. Yeah. yeah, I'm hearing it too. Facebook is pushing really hard for their yeah. versions API. And yep. so I was invited onto a call with Facebook, um, with the with the company. Um, and one of the questions that and and I kind of read through some of the requirements that Facebook was sending over as far as what what needed to be implemented. And I said, I I, I don't know if I'm reading this right or if this is a typo or whatnot, but it says that. We have to put this client side code on there as well that sets this cookie that the server side code is somehow going to like, well, yeah, I mean, for now, you still need a client side cookie for this to work. So like, what is it and what is the state of it and what what's the future promise of what it's supposed to be? Is, it, is this where I, I yeah, <laughs> this is, this is queuing you forever. up. Um, so uh, 
server-side, well, let's say server-side tag management. Um, and the way that it's usually referred to these days where we're actually talking about a client-side batch of data that's collected and then sent server-side where you then divvy it out and send it along. So um, both Google and, and Adobe do this kind of similarly with the Adobe Web SDK and obviously Google uh, GTM server-side um, where you still send in a batch of data through JavaScript using data elements, cookies, whatever, um, into whoever is managing your tag, so Adobe, Google. And then on the back end, you're able to say uh, through APIs where to send the data along, uh, along to. So with Adobe's tool, you know, if you send it to Adobe, uh, it automatically divvies that data up to the right Adobe tools. So if I send page name and uh, you know, I have it in the right XDM place where Adobe knows to find it, I send that along and Adobe sends that to target and analytics and, and all of that. And then let's say Facebook also is interested in that. That's where I would pay for event forwarding and go in and set it up to say, take the information I sent in that includes page name and format it into Facebook's API requests and send it along to that. So there's still a huge client side element to it. It's just now we have one big batch of science client side data rather than 10 different batches um, Right now, it's all orchestrated by your your TMS, but you're still sending the data to ten different places. You know? So, so can can we dive into that just a little bit? Mm -hmm. And I don't want you to lose your train of thought. But does that make it um, less of a risk or more of a risk that we now in in this scenario have a fewer amount of companies that are collecting data client side? Does that make it more or less risky that someone's going to come down and say, "Well, we don't even like those people collecting data, and that cuts off everything"? Or is it, or is it less risky because you have a few key players and they're going to try to develop a meaningful, mutually agreed on I, way of doing this? I think the latter, um, especially, especially when it, uh, because it, it does limit transparency a lot. Um, so it'd be much harder for somebody to come in and say, I don't like what you're doing with my data. Um, so long as I'm, I'm sending it, you know, to my own server and, and GTM server side, like you, it's your own server even and everything like you, uh, there's, there's far less chances of folks looking at it and being like, mm, third party don't trust. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's the latter, but it is introducing one big point of failure. <laughs> and you still have all the little points of failure too of are you setting up things for the you know server to server transactions correctly and stuff so that doesn't go away um, yeah. uh, on 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 that who I guess who has the onus for for making that happen and and again I'm gonna show my lack of understanding of the space but as a kind of a comparison I'll talk about, maybe the integrations we see with a Google Tag Manager and an Adobe Launch where there's an open marketplace for building connectors between platforms. And I'm going to contrast that with, say, Atelium that has their own, we're going to own building all the connectors between platforms. How do you see that working out in server-side? Who ultimately is responsible for making? Because those back-end connections are critical, obviously, to making this work. It needs to be not only designed and built, but then maintain between all these right. different touch points. Well, and you know, Adobe uh, since the days of DTM has tried to not own a lot of the the extensions and connections and things like that. Um partially just cuz it's a maintenance and liability nightmare and all of that. 
Um, but with server side, so let's say that I'm, I'm implementing a tool or a, a vendor that doesn't have a connection. Um, right now, that means I would just go into custom code and right now client side, I would just go into custom code and plop the JavaScript in there and, and it's fine that an extension doesn't exist. And, and that's also true for Adobe server side or event forwarding. I'm gonna call it server side, sorry, Adobe. I'm, I'm not sticking with your branding. Um, that they, they do have kind of an empty template for, well, what's your API endpoint? And you know what things do you want to attach to the body of stuff you're sending over that way? And to be honest right now, Adobe event forwarding, well, maybe they've gotten a few more, but they only had like Adobe, Facebook and Google maybe. Very few extensions in that catalog so far. Um, and uh, some of it is, uh, some of these vendors don't even have ways of sending it, data in through an API. <laughs> um, so right now the onus would be on me, unless it's Facebook, which because they've been so um, loud and pushy about their conversions API, Adobe has a conversions API and you know extension and all of that. But everything else, it would be on me, the implementer, to go and read the documentation from the vendor on their how their API works and then figure out how to implement that within the event forwarding interface. It seems like a massive failure point. But, yeah, but I also, I mean, I, I don't blame Adobe. What are they going to yeah, do? I so, mean, yeah, that it's, would it's be impossible. A, and, that's, yeah. and that's my argument for Telium owning the integrations. It's like, it's impossible for Telium to own all the integrations that are needed to make this happen. And even if they do, they don't have the sheer volume of people and expertise to keep right. them updated. So yes, on one hand, I see it like either it doesn't exist or something exists and it's owned by the in part, the in platform to, to make it work. Um, but then again, it does put a tremendous amount of pressure and onus on the, the implementer to, I guess, be the orchestrator. And I think you've seen this, Jen, that you're kind of looked at not just as the technologist to figure out how to get data from A to B, but oftentimes I've seen you have to be the translator between all these people to make sure we're talking the same language. It really increases the scope of what you're doing to make this work server-side. But I guess is the promise that you set it up once and maybe done, but what happens if the indie, how do you stay up to date on the a API. So let, yeah. let's, let's take a comp, let's take a very simple example. And I say this as one of our clients rolled out 28 pixels this morning. Um, let's take a simple example where a company's using five different pixel platforms, like a Facebook, a Google, maybe there's an Instagram, a Pinterest. Um, and those are not within the platform kind of native from from the vendor the implementer has to figure out how to build that connection does that now put the onus also on you to monitor it like how do you keep up like what if pinterest changed their api how do you know do you get a heads up like it seems scary yeah and to a degree i mean we already have a lot of that currently with just the javascript world of things um though I, I do feel like the JavaScript tends to be pretty backwards compatible that so long as you don't update the library that you're referencing using the deprecated code is fine kind of thing. Um, API wise, that, that could be a little trickier. Um, and it just hasn't been around long enough to know how much that's gonna be a problem, I don't think as far as the maintenance, but I definitely foresee that there's gonna be a lot of set it and forget it because that's 
that's what we do in JavaScript. We shouldn't be, but we do. <laughs> um, so um, I will say though that the having it be more of an open marketplace like Adobe's doing um, on the JavaScript side of tag management, yes, it's had negatives. Like there, there aren't extensions for things I want there to be extensions for some of the time, or the extensions aren't flexible in the ways that I want them to be. So I end up just using JavaScript anyways. Um, but um, I do like that third parties can build extensions and it doesn't happen as often as, as it should. I say that as we are a third party who at times has built extensions. Um, but uh, take the GTAG extension that was in launch that uh, Adobe slash Google, I don't know how much it was a collaboration, but somebody made a kind of branded, this is the official GTAG extension, but then Acronym made an extension as well that better suit the needs and, and the gaps that they saw. Everybody ended up using theirs and, and recommending it. And I don't think the, the first official one, like <laughs> you don't even see that anymore anymore. So I, I do you like a that. Market. Yeah, that, that it makes room for um, for folks to come in, see where there are gaps and create stuff. It's just, you know, now we have unofficial parties in there trying to create stuff, you know, without necessarily the uh, the back end knowledge of what changes need to happen. Do, do you feel that. like um, do you feel like Adobe's made progress in? Uh, embracing the developer community down that path oh, yeah. as they've gone to server side because it, it seems like a pendulum. You know, back in like 2006, seven, they fully, or maybe I was back at the Omniture time, I think it was under Chris Wareham, um, really embraced the developer community. They made these sandboxes available mm -hmm. and developers love to develop stuff. And one of the knocks on Adobe is there's this whole developer community out there that doesn't have access to the Adobe products that wants to build products for it. And they simply can't. Has, has that started to shift? Uh, I definitely do think it, it has. Um, that they've, especially in the last year or so, they've really built up a developer community and made it easier to do things through APIs and document everything. They do still have the problem of the sandbox data that it is still hard to get a area to play around in um, if you don't already have the right connections. Um, but once you do have that data, they've made it so much easier and, and are working with developers pretty closely across the board on just trying to make it as easy as possible to build stuff. Yeah, yeah. So we, we've talked about Google and Adobe to a lesser extent, um, Telium. Who do you see the major players falling out as that will be kind of the key entry points client side to collect data? I think those are the three. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, Insight and technically still exists and technically has a server side option, but it's kind of a, it's using a server to approximate JavaScript. Um, so it's not necessarily API to API. It's you send your big batch of data to Insight and server and then Insight and server replicates the, JavaScript pixels, kind of, that might be outdated knowledge or just not correct knowledge. But that was my understanding the last time I saw. Um, but yeah, the Telium, Adobe, and, and Google are, are the main ones. And I, I hate to say it, but really, I, I think it's Google. Um, yeah. Telium has been out there for a while, and they've been doing server-side, you know, this type of thing. They've been a pioneer in it. They've done it for a long time. Um, does that mean that identity management and attribution is also going to be set at that 
Google mm. Adobe level or how does that work? So that that's where I have all the strong opinions. <laughs> well, let's go. <laughs> so here's the problem is uh, we're still collecting the data client side and whatever data we send in still has to have an identifier for the user. Um, and right now, the way that you have client side identifiers for users is cookies. Like nothing about that has changed just because server side has entered the equation. Um, and, and yeah, as far as I can see for the foreseeable future, the identity management side of things is still being handled client side. So when server side comes up as a kind of a response to the cookie apocalypse or you know the getting around ITP or GDPR or any of that stuff, like it's just it 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 it's not part of of the equation. Even it doesn't make a difference because we still have to know on the client side who the user is as they go from page to page. I will say, however, in my discussion with Lucas um, and Simo, how it ended up coming in too, um, I, on Twitter the other day on this topic where I was making this very point of, you know, anything that you do to improve your identity management for server side, you can also do client side. It's, it's the exact same thing. Um, uh, Simo does have a template within uh, Google Tag Manager server side that allows you to set cookies through a server through, I think it's Google, Google Cloud, mm -hmm. um, so that that will help with ITP. Now it's not built into the tool and it's not really kind of wrapped into the, this is what server side is. To me, it was kind of a creative, nice workaround, sort of like, I'm glad it exists, it's cool, it's usable, it's effective, but overall identity management is not yet folded into what server-side tag management does. Do you see that something that gets pushed more towards, and I, I don't want to use the word client side, but the brand owner side rather than the uh, data collection side, I almost kind of, I, I mean, it's completely different, but you know, we've gone through this, speaking of cookies, we've gone through this thing where it was, it was set by a third party. Then it was managed like this first party was managed by the third party and set. And then we got to this point where it's like, well, you set these C names and maybe you set it on your side. Uh, oops. I'm wondering if we get to a similar place with identity management where there's some kind of a trust handshake where they say, Hey, you set this, all this stuff up on your server. So we kind of get around all of these complications. And then we go from there. I think ultimately it's going to come down to everybody setting their own IDs, um, at least as far as first, first party analytics goes. Um, you know, obviously things that are trying to do retargeting across sites, it's going to get more complicated, but, um, and both Google and Adobe have really upped their game as far as allowing uh, companies to use their own IDs. Um, you know, Adobe just barely had their uh, cross device, no, not cross device. They don't want it to be device. Uh, device management ID, whatever the new ID thing is. Um, and then with GA4, you also can send in your own user ID, and, and it's almost like GA4 is pushing for that rather than use the um, IDs that that Google puts on there. So that that gets you around a lot of the ITP limitations. Um, that that Apple makes it so that if you set a cookie by JavaScript or through a server, but a C named server that your cookie only lasts seven days. Um, if instead, you know, we just have our own identifier for users and we tell Adobe to use that instead, that gets us around it. 
Does that mean does that mean that I now have to invest in more software? Because most companies are not qualified to set identifiers for anonymous traffic. So do I now have to go buy something? Do I have to go hire some experts to build identity management for me? I don't think so. I think a lot of the time it might be that your developers already have like session IDs and stuff like that that exist in CMS systems. Like a lot of that already exists. The problem historically has been tying it all together when it changes mm, mm-hmm. um that right now it's you know if we have an id for a user uh when they sign in but it's different than when they're not signed in they're going to look like two different users whereas in the future or you know with the, the newer stuff um it can merge those profiles together and end up having you know 10 different ids that all kind of melded together into one user and that that was the missing piece for a really long time that stopped us from using our own ids and theoretically, that should be able to help with a lot of the privacy conversations we're having in that, right, in that that one ID flows to everybody? Yes, but the problem still is, especially if we're talking about GDPR or uh, or the CCPA or any of the, the ones coming out in the U.S., um, they really just care about, well, we, we talked about this in the podcast a few weeks ago. They really only care that you have a, a unique persistent identifier for the user. And whether or not that's in a cookie or it's third party or any of that, it's if you have a unique persistent identifier, if you have a way of knowing the user is the same person who was on the previous page, then odds are you need their consent. Um, and it's just a subject as a third party, for, uh, a third party cookie, you know? Got it. Unfortunately. Yeah. But where it, it will be changing consent management um, in that now, for potentially even if the use whether con- the user consents or not, we might be sending that huge old batch of data to the server, and then based off of their consent decisions, either it stops there or it goes on to certain things or it goes on to everything. Um, so it, I do see consent management moving more server side rather than than client side, um, which is a whole big thing like the, the transparency thing becomes a big problem um the uh yeah i i don't know we'll see how that goes right now with adobe that's not as much an option it's it's kind of an all or nothing they consented yay or nay um you can't really divvy it up and say they consented to this and not that i honestly don't know with gtm server side how consent management's done so so let me so and I don't, I don't want this to get into a big consent management discussion mm-hmm. necessarily, but is the consent portion be mostly driven by sending data to a third party or do the same rules apply to me as the owner of the property that you're interacting? Meaning, can I just collect whatever data Jen generates on my site because it's my site? It's that the privacy rules really are more on what can I do with that data sending it to someone else or... And, and the reason and the reason I ask that is that I wonder where the perceived server sits, if that makes a difference, in that if it's my server, uh, then I can just collect whatever data, and then the decision is send it somewhere else. But if it's Adobe's or Google server, can I even send that big chunk of data to them? In general, if, in theory, it wouldn't matter, other than GDPR is picky about the actual physical location. So not even who owns it, but where it physically sits and whether or not say the U S authorities could come in and, and look at it if they wanted to. So in, in that sense, it does matter. But aside from that, it, 
it still comes down to the what you're tracking and not the who who's doing stuff with it or the how how they are getting it. So if you if you have a unique persistent identifier and you're using it, you want to use it for retargeting, it doesn't matter which server that is happening on, whether it's only through JavaScript or yeah, it's um now there GDPR is complicated about you know data processors and the rules they have to follow and where they have to to be. But um in general, it still really is about the the what you're doing and not the, the where or the who. So what um I guess a couple of questions. One, future looking. What is the what does the future look like? Like where what are you hearing? What are you seeing as far as what the future looks like of a server side world? Um I think I think right now, um the real advantage to moving to server side is uh I think more on the, the page performance is the biggest boost, I think. Um, and also forces kind of some governance and things like that. But there aren't a lot of advantages to it thus far. Um, even if we are taking advantage of these new things I was talking about where you can set your own user ID, well, you can also do that and send your data client side. So um, that's that's kind of detached. So I see folks moving server side. At this point, I almost feel like it's premature, <laughs> um, unless they really are pushing for the page performance. If they just want to send one thing and not have a bazillion pixels on their page, then that's that's reasonable, um, and and that's a good route to go. But aside from that, I don't see a ton of advantages to it in the future. When a consent management, uh, you, there are more options on the server side of okay, we got this huge batch of data. They didn't consent. We can block it all right there. And um, and that's fine versus the, you know, I want to be able to divvy it up and, and control it all, not client side. <laughs> um, but we're not there yet. Uh, again, I need to look at it. I, I don't know enough about GTM server side uh, and consent management. Oh, same with Telium. I, I don't know how, how they handle consent management because all I've ever done with it is client side so Got far. But, um, so if I'm if I'm an implementer and I'm at one of these big companies that is often understaffed and I'm responsible for analytics on five different websites, is server side going to be less time more efficient for me to manage and maintain the same or more? At this particular moment, I would yeah. say probably more because okay. so much of it is new. Yeah. Um and in many cases, there's a lot of transition that needs to happen. If you're starting from square one, um, like you you have a brand new website that's never had analytics on it, then maybe starting with server-side in mind would, would be a lower level of effort. But um, at the moment, I, I don't know that it, it would get you too many gains because of the amount of time that you would then have to spend figuring out uh, well, for this vendor, how does their API work? Yeah. Um, and yeah. for that vendor, how does their API work? Or does this vendor even have an API? And if not, oh, we still have at least one client side tag on our site. Yeah. So yeah. now we, we still have, have to, to manage, manage a client side tag management and a server side tag management. Yeah. Okay. That's, 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 in, that's good to know. Um, I had, I think I had a really good follow-up question on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Escaped my mind. Um, Can I jump in then? Yeah, I will well, come back. Think, to me. Go ahead. Yeah, so I mean, if if I'm hearing 
hearing everything correctly, it sounds like there's really only one tangible or realistic gain going server side, which is page performance. If, if that's the case, why are a lot of vendors, you know, we gave Facebook as an example earlier, really pushing for, you know, the server side, you know, these API connections. Why, why are they doing that? You know, could there be an ulterior motive? Like that, that's honestly, as I'm hearing you talking that that's one of the, one of the, the ways my mind starts to go is, are they trying to get you stuck into something? You know, that's a good question. Um, as far as like what, what's Facebook getting out of pushing everyone to the conversions API other than an area with less transparency, <laughs> you know? Um, I, I honestly don't know and, and would love to get more information on that. Because from my perspective, it's largely been, you know, what are the advantages to me as an implementer of using server side? Yeah. Um, but well, what what's the advantages to them? Um, don't know one because, of the oh, i just ahead. don't trust them and i think it's yeah fishy. <laughs> and then that's exactly where i was going with this because like you know you you listed off earlier you know who are the top folks involved in this and they're all the ones that are building these walled gardens mm -hmm. so if you jump in this too early do you risk getting stuck into an ecosystem and that that is one of my concerns right now seeing this massive push for something that the only real benefit, it, it, it doesn't solve necessarily for cookies. It doesn't um, solve a couple other things. The only thing is, is, is page performance. Are you getting stuck in someone's ecosystem? I, I do think that part of the advantage might not even exist yet because they still say, oh yeah, well, you still have to have a Facebook ID set the cook or a Facebook cookie or whatever. Um, but I think it is setting us up for that world where Facebook disowns user ID management and, and leaves that to, to the uh, user. That's my guess is, you know, part of a big reason folks are going more and more this way um, because, uh, you know, Facebook's read the writing on the wall that uh, third-party cookies and their ability to, to use their own identifier across the board is just, it's not going to be a thing in the future. So um, I suspect that's part of it. But like, like I keep saying, that could be true of a JavaScript implementation as well. If they really wanted to push for folks using their own user IDs, then you don't need an API to ask for that. Yeah. Uh, but server side, yeah, I don't know. I, I need to better understand if it's not just a, a new way and therefore making everyone feel like it's different enough that it it's, uh, gets around those rules. My, my neighbor's a baker, and so uh, it's not good for the stomach line. I see them bringing over pastries. Nice. And a um, doorbell. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the the untrusting Jason thinks that there's a couple of things happening here. Um, number one, and I'm only basing this off of my interactions with Facebook, is I don't know if it's easier or if it's just because it's a new methodology, it's easier to slip some things in. But in every instance where I've talked to Facebook, they've asked for all the data. And they mm. said, just send us all the data and then we'll have that available for your retargeting. And so the untrusting Jason says, ooh, this is just a, a way to kind of slip in a request to get more data that we hadn't asked for before. They may not want to have given us before. And that kind of makes my skin crawl a little bit. The other part of it is, and um, I, I think that there there are real world problems today. We mentioned page performance, but I think that 
this probably builds the foundation for future um, use cases that may not be relevant today. But part of me also thinks that a lot of these companies are publicly traded companies and they have to grow. If they don't grow, they're contracting. And so when you've saturated the market with one way of doing it and we need to create a new product line, then, well, let's invent a new way to do it because we have to have more sales to continue to grow the company. And so okay. it, it's a crappy way to think about things, but I think it it does happen a lot, especially in our industry where I get so frustrated seeing companies just bare bones minimum usage of these platforms. And yet we're having, and I put this kind of flippant post on social media the other day. It's like, we're talking about lake houses and lake shores <laughs> and ocean mines. Of, and I'm like, you guys can't even tell me if someone went from page A to page B, like, what are we talking about here? Yeah. But part of it is, you know, there's tons of pressure from vendors to do it the new, most exciting way. And if you're not doing it and keeping up with the Joneses, then we're just not good enough. So that's the untrusting Jason yeah. that we're just inventing new ways to do the same thing. But I want to put an asterisk on it as saying, I, I do see future use cases where it could be incredibly valuable. I do think that I, I did leave out one part of it where Facebook particularly, where um, uh, Apple's both ITP and their, their ATT, their app tracking transparency stuff that just kind of cut off Facebook at the knees sort of thing. Um, I do think it made them scramble to to improve the quality of whatever data they do get. Not the quantity, sure, like Jason was saying, but uh, ad blockers and you know connectivity issues and JavaScript errors, like all of that, does lessen quite a bit. Um, of course, they are putting all their eggs in the basket of you know the server side batch of data that you've got gets through correctly and, and has the right data in it. But it does at least improve the quality of the data and, and get around some of the browser issues that, that might exist. So you reminded me of the question I forgot. Oh, okay. um, so you mentioned it's really easy to see the errors and stuff client side. What does that mean going to server side? Does it lessen our visibility into the process and now it's only Jen that can debug it? Because right now I can go onto any website and at least got get a sense of what's going out. I can look at the data packets. That goes away in a server side world. So what does that mean for maintaining, debugging, looking like, what does that mean to an observe point that makes, you know, mm. their, their product that examines all these things client side? Yeah, no kidding on the observe point front. I would love to know kind of how, uh, what their thoughts are and, and solutions are for it. But yes, as far as the debugging goes, it does. It completely removes transparency. Um, I know Adobe has worked really, really hard on at least giving me the implementer transparency. Um, both through their debugger and, and Griffin or whatever its new name is. Um, but even that's really tricky. Like, and, and there's a bit of a learning curve for knowing how to understand and, and troubleshoot. Um, just like there was for JavaScript, but you know, I've had that knowledge for a long time. So um, yeah, it, it does change the debugging quite a bit and it can be really hard to tell where something failed, if something failed. Um, but I, at least on the Adobe front, I know that they're working on a transparency for you know the batch of data that's being sent. Sorry, almost a sneeze. I tasted away. Um, and then also on the side of at least letting giving giving you an audit log of okay, we sent a batch of data to Facebook and we know that it it didn't get received correctly. Um, so, in which in some ways is better than what we've got now, like. I don't really get an audit log of these are all of the attempts you made to send data through a pixel. 
um, and, and how many of them failed. Um, so that aspect for server side is good, but I still knowing why it failed or uh, why it never got to my server to begin with or whatever is, is going to be trickier. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know how much, um, how deep observe point or any of these other kind of scanning solutions have gotten. We, I mean, they've been around forever. I, and there are some companies that it's really deeply integrated into their process, but for most it, it, it isn't, it's not because it's not incredibly useful. I think there's just lack of ownership and governance, but and time it, and time. I think that's the big thing is, is, is yeah. the big thing. It, it so, takes an investment to get much out of it. Yeah. And so it will be really interesting to see how they start to position if, if, if server site starts to pick up steam and I'm sure they're not alone. I'm, you know, I think they're the easy one to think about, but I'm, I'm guessing there are other solutions out there that are kind of sitting on, t- on top of the fact that the transparency of all of these marketing data initiatives are right there in the browser. If that goes away, what does that do to that ecosystem? I'm sure it's going to going to create new opportunities. It's just, sure. what is that going to look like? And especially if it's owned, because now like, I can build, like, I can go and build a, a Chrome extension to examine your tags, right? And no one can stop me from doing that as long as I'm following the rules. But what happens if it goes server side? Like, I can't just attach to that, right? I have to work through whoever owns that server side handshake. So it really kind of starts to close off that 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 playground a little bit. It seems like. Yep, absolutely. Interesting times ahead for sure. What what are the what are the timelines you thinking like? Or I guess. What is your sense of, you know, how many companies are seriously looking at doing this today? And then how do you see that changing over the next two to three years? And that's a long timeline in tech, I understand. Yeah, I don't know. I I see a lot of folks starting the conversations and then getting a little ways into it and then being like, eh, yeah, never mind, not yet. Um, like as soon as you find out that, oh, by the way, half of your marketing vendors don't even have APIs to use and you're still going to be stuck doing a lot of client side stuff. Um, uh, A few of the limitations that were keeping me at least from telling people, yeah, go onto the web SDK, um, which is kind of prerequisite for for going server side. Um, A lot of those limitations are improving rather quickly. You know, problems in the XDM schema building tool um, now we have the ability to either map our data layer. You know, let's say I have a digital data, old school W3C data layer. I could either go into launch and use a tool within client side launch to say, okay, my XDM object for page name needs to live here. Let's map that to digital data.page.pageinfo.pageName. Or I can go on the back end um, now with the XDM mapper and um, just send my digital data object and then tell it where it needs to go into XDM. So stuff like that, that's making it a lot easier for current implementations to move on to it. Um, and then just making the interface easier to use and all of that. But to me, the lim- the big limitation is still just what's the selling point? Why, if it's not helping me with my biggest concerns around consent and user IDs and cookies and all of that, um, it, it's, it's a whole lot of effort for a bit of page performance gain. Yeah. So how would you package that up? Or I guess what advice would you have for people that are probably getting hit up now to buy software or services to address this, to not fall victim to the FUD factor of, 
you know, you have to do this or everything's going to burn down. What would be the advice that you would give them? I think it's honestly like make a list of the, your, your main problem points that you are trying to solve for. And very specifically, try to see if these new solutions solve for those problems. So, you know, if item number one is our cookies don't last longer than seven days, then don't accept a vague server-side answer of, yeah, but server-side makes it so that you don't have to, you know, have client-side stuff as much. Like, you have to have a very specific, like, here is how this is being solved. Um, otherwise, it's very easy to just fall, fall victim to the server-side will solve it. You'll figure it out and see when you get there, you know? Yeah. Outside, so... So again, very limited exposure, but it, it feels like Adobe and Google have been pretty um, neutral in their pushing of server-side, um, at least from my observation. And, and, and I'm comparing that to Telium, which has seemed ultra, ultra aggressive in pushing server-side. Um, is, is that a fair observation or, or how are you kind of seeing how these larger companies are positioning it? I think for a while, Telium was pushing it so strongly because they were the only one out there who could do it well. Okay. And knowing that that was their strength, they wanted to hype up why that was important. Yeah. Um, and the fact that they could do it well, and from my understanding, kind of work around some of the API limitations of, of vendors and things like that is is still a, a strong point. I, I really do need to more, know more about its current state um, for Telium now. Um, as far as Adobe and Google's push for it, Adobe is certainly pushing for folks to move to the web SDK. And I think part of that is it makes it easier for folks to then say, ah, we already have this great setup for customer journey analytics and the Adobe experience platform. Um, or, you know, on the GA side of things that um, if, if I'm already in a GA4 world, which it's definitely pushing for now, um, and a lot of the server side stuff goes hand in hand with that. Um, I think, yeah, I, I do think they're pushing for it mostly because it, it makes it easier for them to upsell mm -hmm. <laughs> their own data technologies of saying, Hey, you know what, just send all of your data yeah. to our server. And then, Oh, by the way, for this added fee, um, <laughs> we can make it easier to use that data just right there on your server and you don't have to send it on to anyone else. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's what I see largely. And, um, I mean, if you go to summit, so much of what they talk about is journey analytic, customer journey mm -hmm. analytics and, and AEP. Um, cause that's where the cool stuff is. <laughs> um, don't no workspace workspace is cool, but, yeah. um, there, man, some of those summit sneaks, if they got that in the analytics workspace, like, oh, that'd be glorious. But now I, you know, journey analytics stuff. So that was going to be my last question, but I'm going to ask one more. Um, so if I am that implementer, web analytics director, manager, um, and I'm sitting on top of a you know, fairly stable, decently documented implementation today, how much time and budget do I need to be thinking about in order to make a migration to server side? It really comes down to what you mean by well-documented and, and stable and all of that. Um, because uh, on the Adobe side, at least, where you, you have to map everything out to XDM. Um, 
you have to know what it is that you currently have to do that mapping. You know, like if if you uh, if your data layer isn't well documented and you don't know how it all works currently, it's going to be really hard to know how to translate that into an XDM uh, layer. If you don't already know what all third-party tags you have on your site and which of them are still current and which of them could probably go away and who owns what and when they expire and all of that, then it's going to be really hard to know what needs to move server side. Um, you know, so, if you don't know where all your Facebook pixels are, then how are you going to, you know, yeah. convert those into Facebook? Yeah. And, and I think those are important questions you're asking because a lot of this is part of implementation is vetting this out and figuring it out. And unfortunately, when we say implementation, a lot of people think, well, like going in and actually typing stuff and deploying stuff. And like, that's only part of it. And that's a small part of it a lot of yeah. times. So the easiest I, part of my job. Yeah. I mean, it's the hard part is. <laughs> Let me is write really, down a script, please. Don't make me audit your third party tag. Yeah. I mean, the hard part um, is really analyzing all of yeah. these kind of questions that you're starting to bring up. And so I'm guess I'm guessing, but is it, I mean, is it, is it weeks? Is it months? Is it half a year? Is it, I mean, I know that that's hard to pin down, but I, I know that again, these people are going to be hit up with it. And one of my fears is that they're going to be sold. Oh, it's super easy. And then it sets them up for failure. You know, even if it, even if these are monumental shifts that have huge future potential, I think it's important to be transparent so you can be realistic and say, look, this is going to be hard. You're going to have to invest a lot of time, but it's going to be worth it rather than saying, ah, you know, it's a couple of weeks and you'll be up and running. Fortunately, I haven't heard a lot of the, that marketing of it'll be easy. Um, certainly not on the Adobe tech management side. Like the, They know that there there is a big learning curve with the move to XDM and all of that. They're trying to make it easier and give templates and use cases and um, training and all of that. But um, most of the things that you could do now to prepare yourself for server side are things you should be doing anyways for your client side implementation. Great point. Um, so it's hard to say timeline wise, cause Hey, if you haven't done it already for your client side implementation, if you don't have it well-documented, if you don't know where all your pixels are, if, if you, um, aren't using a data layer or you're using a data layer everywhere, except this one place where we had to do something a little bit different cause it was a weird use case. Um, all of that stuff's going to make it a lot harder to move to XDM. Yeah. Um, and, or to move to GTM server side as well. Like you, you have to know what you currently have to work with. So. Jim, make a note. That's a clip. Pull that like last like three minutes out. That was gold. Yeah. Should be and, it sorry, anyway. it's 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 spring break, so you get the kids running around the house in the background. That's all right. No, no worries. Um, so I mean, this conversation has flown by, and 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 it's been been awesome. And as we were kind of coming to an end there, you know, I kind of want to kind end it with a laugh a bit so have either of you seen the um the youtube series um pitch meeting i've heard of it oh it's hysterical i'll send you a couple of the funny ones it's uh, i think it's it's a series done by i think it's screen rant and it's the guy plays both characters and one you know the one character is is a writer the other one's a movie executive and Basically, he takes real movies, and it's like what this pitch meeting probably sounded like. So it's it not takes, a real; it's almost like honest trailers, kind of. It's, it's, a, it's right along the lines of honest trailers, but they always hit on like the major plot hole of the movie. And there's a tagline that goes with it because as the guy's going through the movie, 
you know, the, the executive goes, well, you did this earlier. How are we going to solve for this now? And he's like, oh, it, it's it's not a problem. Barely, you know, barely an inconvenience. Like that line always <laughs> comes in. And that's all I could think about there is the, the last couple of minutes as you were both talking is it's, you know, with this, it's, it's barely a problem, you know, barely an inconvenience. It's yeah. super simple. It's yeah. the magic. It's the magic tag. Yeah. And I mean, we've seen this before. I mean, I, I've, I, I feel like I've, you know, I, I, I've, I've been on this rodeo before through the years, yeah. like, you know, the, the concept of a magic tag. I don't know. Cause I, I'm beginning to feel kind of the opposite that for once our, our industry is reveling in the complexity of it, that mm-hmm. I mean, the move from uh, universal analytics to GA4 is a really good example of this, that, they are almost assuming that folks have evolved and that they are interested in deeper data science and that they're going to be taking the data into BigQuery. And like, I feel like that's the, on the Adobe side as well. Like, like we were saying, it's almost an upsell because if you've done that, then you can move into AEP and do cooler, bigger things with your data that require data science. And, uh, you know, you, uh, they can't sell this as this is simpler and easier. Yeah. So instead they have to pitch. This is more modern and opens up a lot of capabilities and, and all of that. So, um, and, and I'm sure there will be salespeople out there that, that do the, like, no, it's barely an inconvenience. Um, but I, I'm not getting a lot of that feel from either vendor of, this is the simple new way. Um, so easy a marketer can do it. <laughs> is that because you're talking to the product managers that are probably yeah, more transparent than the sales people? That maybe the product's not mature enough for the sales guys to go out there and kind of give their BS spiel. Yeah, that that is a good point. That I I'm not talking to the salespeople probably a bit deliberately. <laughs> um, but I I do know it would be a very hard sell to say that yeah. this will simplify things. Yeah. Um, It'll improve things, maybe yes, but it's it's not going to be easier, especially for like an entry level, um, someone without a lot of experience already doing this sort of stuff. So yeah, all right, good stuff. Yeah, great stuff. So really enjoyed this one. So we'll go ahead and wrap up here and talk to everybody later. See ya. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.